Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing I finally bought some crypto. Mike, I always think it's important before we recommend anything to clients that we investigate first. We put our own money into investments, into strategies. And I thought I should, with all this hype about crypto, I thought it was time to do some stuff. So where did you go to do this? Did you go to Wells Fargo or Goldman Sachs to do this? Or where did you buy this crypto, Rob? <laughs> well, well, the, the first First purchase was actually a little bit different. Um, our parent company, CI, had launched a crypto exchange-traded fund, or an ETF. And it was, um, it was a Bitcoin fund. And I decided to, I, had, I have a leverage account, and I decided that I was going to put $5,000 as an experiment. Now, I counterbalanced that but I because I also bought $5,000 worth of Apple, Microsoft, Google, and MasterCard. But I put the $5,000 in. It was relatively straightforward. I still own it today. And my, my thought was twofold. One, if I did it on a leverage account, at least I could write off the interest. And if I did end up losing the whole $5,000, at least I could declare it as a capital loss. And hopefully the other investments would provide me with a capital gain. I wonder if you can write off the interest. That's... Well, on a leverage account, in theory, you can. It's got to be expected to make money. Either oh. interest or dividend or capital gain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> There's going to be some tax law. There's going to be some great tax areas coming up in the next year. That could be a good question for our accountant. Yeah. So then I decided after that, that, you know, there's all these different cryptocurrencies out in the market. And I should really investigate some of those rather than just Bitcoin. I was at Hillcrest Mall walking around and I come across a vending machine for crypto. You can create a crypto wallet and cryptocurrencies. Now, I don't know the name of the vending machine. I can tell you the name of the, the crypto wallet that I have. And so I downloaded the app on my phone and I sat there in front of the machine and I did all the work that you need to do. Most of the work you're doing on your phone, not. And then I arranged to transfer initially $500 into my crypto wallet. And I went out and I bought five different cryptos, cryptocurrencies. I put $100 into each because, you know, I believe in diversification. And this was my first exposure. Now, what was interesting is the minute you did the first transaction, which was really easy to do, like literally you can buy a crypto in seconds once you've got a wallet. They trade 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can buy it at three in the morning if you wanted to. But the interesting thing to me, which I didn't expect to happen, is suddenly 2.5% of my $100 disappeared. Even though it was supposed to be no cost to the trade, somehow between what it was quoted at and what I actually got it at, there was a 2.5% difference. And that happened on every single trade I did. So even though I put in $500, I suddenly was down about, I guess, $15. Yeah, spreads and commissions, they're two different things, I guess, right? <laughs> very much so. Yeah. I don't know where the 2.5% went or whose pocket it went into, but it went very quickly. So then I started to look at all the different cryptos out there. And in my wallet, I could buy from 40 different currencies. Now, they all had fancy names and fancy descriptions of which none of them, I understood what they meant, to be quite honest, other than Bitcoin and Erythium. And even those two are a bit of a stretch for me. 
I decided I needed to build a diversified portfolio of crypto. So I transferred another $1,000. So now I've got $1,500 in my wallet. And then I've got that $5,000, which is now $4,000 in my Bitcoin ETF. On each time I buy a cryptocurrency, there's a 2.5% cost. That's pretty expensive. That's back to the days of buying stocks and paying a massive commission when you buy stocks. Even 1% was considered really high back then. This stuff trades at 2.5%. But they're all advertised as free commissions. So that's a real stretch on the rules, to my knowledge. What are your thoughts on this, Mike? What questions so, do you have for me? You know, when you look at crypto, I, I tend to look at it like the dot-com companies of the 1990s. You know, people always ask me, is, is crypto important? And I do feel crypto is part of the future. Right? And when you look at countries like Africa that have, you know, I don't know, probably I'm going to say something really wrong here, but there's probably like 30 or 40 different countries in Africa in that continent. And none of them have stable governments. And there have always been issues in all these different small countries in the world doing trade with other parts of the world because they couldn't hold a currency. And the governments weren't good at stabilizing their currencies. So if they had to buy from the U.S., they'd have to work in U.S. dollars in this country. Or if they're buying from a different uh, Germany, they'd have to work in euros. So all these different countries in the world would have to try to facilitate uh, the currencies in the countries they're doing trade with. I mean, cryptocurrency, having a unique currency that's, uh, that's global, uh, gives tremendous opportunity for people in these countries and emerging markets to do trade with the free world efficiently. So it does have a great purpose over there. And when I go and compare it, it's much as uh, when this dot-com idea came out, was dot-com the future? And in the 90s, they all said this is going to be the future. And it has turned out they were 100% right. Dot-com is the future, and this is where the world has moved. But when you go and you say, did a lot of people make money on those dot-com companies in the 1990s? No, they didn't. You know, there was thousands of them around and they had super huge valuations at the time and probably 90 to 95% of them disappeared and became worth zero. You know, on the flip side of that, there were the few ones that made it through, those golden childs like the Amazons and that made it through and have become the great companies of today. But when I look back on the experience that we saw in these dot-com companies, was I better off trying to pick the dot-com company that was going to come out through all this or wait till all the smoke settled and pay a little bit more for Amazon that was established and enjoy it going, uh, you know, growing by 10,000% from, from the year 2000 to now rather than get that extra bit of percentage in the beginning. So at some point, there's going to be a cleaning of all these cryptocurrencies and there's going to be a mass problem and there will be a bunch of dust that settles and somewhere in the future, they'll become part of our society. I mean, that's just an opinion, but that, that's what I feel is going to happen with them. So a couple of things. I thought there was an interesting quote, and I, I believe this today, even, even as a crypto owner. It's from John Oliver. Everything you don't understand about money combined with everything you don't understand about computers, that's the definition of cryptocurrency. And it, mm -hmm. it is totally true. Anyone who thinks they understand on how all this stuff works they're probably lying or they have a PhD in this stuff. It's, it's one or the other. The average investor that I've dealt with over the last 30 years could not explain cryptocurrencies and all the different currencies out there ever. I just, they can't. And I, I can't understand it. 
And I've had some smart clients come in who, who might understand some of the technology, but don't understand the finance behind it. It's tough to get those two sides working together because it's very complicated on both edges of that. So let's look at a couple things. What's what's the goal of the investment? You know, why why did I? Now, I did this as a, an experiment. I did it sort of, you know, this is my testing kitchen, let's call it that. But if you're going to, to buy cryptocurrency, what's your goal? Make money. That's what most, most people are doing. Are you trying to get income from it? No. Or is it is it to protect against inflation? Nope. Uh, is it stable? Nope. Can you spend it? Not really. So the only goal you have is you're hoping it's going to go up in value. That someone's going to pay you more money than you pay today. Absolutely. What are your expected returns for it? So whenever, you know, if we buy a stock, we know historically over long periods of time, they've averaged a 10% return if it, you buy a global stock market. And it makes money. It has profits and, and makes a product or produces something or service or something like that. Crypto does nothing. It just exists. What's the expected return of a currency? Zero. So what does that mean? The Canadian dollar never makes money? Well, for every every time when you compare currencies, there's always a net zero gain between currencies. So for every currency that goes up, another currency has to go down. It just And that's just your math, right? If you invest in all the currency in the world for all the time, your net return is going to be zero, unless it's invested in some type of T-bill or something's going to put some interest, but your net return is going to be zero. So we've talked about returns. We've talked about the goal. What's the risk of buying a cryptocurrency? Oh, well, there's a ton. Of, I mean, if you to start off against this performance, there's whether you pick the right one, if it's going to be there uh, a couple of years from now, or people are still going to be way, willing to pay money for that. There's also, you know, the thing that, that blows me away is if all of a sudden, let's take Bitcoin for an example. If someone came up with some virus that destroyed Bitcoin uh, records, and and there was they couldn't uh, work it anymore. There's no one really that fixes it. It's not controlled by government. No one really cares that you lost your money. No, it, no it, one would. No one would give you your money back. You know, if if you invest in a bank in Canada, the bank goes bankrupt and they that you got lost your money. The government will step in and say, okay, that wasn't fair. This wasn't expected. We're going to help out to make sure these people are taken care of. Who's going to help out these Bitcoin people? No one. Like if anything goes wrong, there's no protection. You can lose your password. We've had many stories of people losing their passwords. There's just nothing you can do. There's no one to go to. There's no one, you know, you put your sob story in the paper and they write you as a story. You don't get any money back. Another big risk is I think regulations are going to change and can change at the at, at any point in time. We've already seen China basically not allow them, certainly not allow the mining of them. A lot of countries haven't made a decision on it, but at some point they're going to have to. My guess is most countries will probably launch their own cryptocurrency of some sort. Yeah, they want their tax dollars. I, I mean, the one problem we had with, with cryptocurrencies was originally when they were being invisible, if, if, no one could, if everyone moved to cryptocurrencies and they still stayed anonymous and no one knew what was being spent, governments could no longer collect tax dollars. If that happened, there'd be no police force, there'd be no fire departments, there'd be no government, and the world would fall apart. There'd be no snow shoveling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all the tractors wouldn't be on the road today clearing up from this massive snowstorm we've had. Yeah. I guess you could pay your crypto Bitcoin to try to pay the guy with a plow to come by who would receive, but it, it's the all the stuff we've done to organize governments and societies that work well together fall apart once you decide to go and say, uh, we're, we're going to put everything to a cryptocurrency that's fully anonymous. 
So what's the tax treatment on cryptocurrencies? So let's say my $5,000 grew to $10,000. I don't know. Do I have to declare that? It's. I think it's still a gray area. I, I think the government's saying the maximum, right? But whether it's capital gain or whether it's income, uh, depending on what it's being used for. I, I don't know if it's been fully... I, I know they put out what they what they think it should be, but it has yet to be challenged in tax court to see what it's going to look like. Do you think most investors are actually paying their capital gains if they've sold some of those cryptocurrencies they've actually made money on? Not that unless they're in an ETF, they're going to receive receipts for them. But if they're outside ETFs, I would doubt it. And what about their capital losses if they happen to have lost money on, on Bitcoin or something like that? I mean, they'll probably claim those. <laughs> At least they'll try <laughs> they'll to. They'll try to. But again, there's no T3s created by the, they're created from the ETFs, but they're not being sent out by Bitcoin company. Like Bitcoin's not going to send you a T3 for how much you made on Bitcoin last year. It's not happening. So it was interesting at the beginning of the, uh, before the podcast, you asked me what my crypto wallet was worth. Now we all know I put in $1,500 and I had told you it was, I was going to tell you it was worth $1,430, but I looked just before we did this podcast, it was only $1,340. So here's how I've been managing this thing. It's kind of interesting. I decided I needed some rules. So I decided if any one coin went up 30%, I would sell. Now, of course, I don't get to keep the 30% because as we said, there's a there's actually a 3% commission on the sell. For some reason, I sell at $1.30 and I only get back $1.27. And then if and then what do I do with the money? Well, it sits in my wallet, earning no interest initially. So then I decide to go buy another currency for $100. If a currency drops by 40, 50%, I should be trying to buy more of it, but I'm struggling with that mentally because I don't know why it's already down 45%. I've been an investor and a financial advisor for more than 30 years, and I'm struggling with my $1,500 <laughs> in my crypto wallet. I can't imagine what's going on with everybody else out there. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited. Leveraging carries its own risks and is not for everyone. Talk to your financial advisor for advice on properly managing those risks. The material herein is not intended to provide and should not be construed as providing individual financial, investment, tax, legal, or accounting advice.